need something. Good morning. All this music garbage out here. All right, I'm gonna try something today. You guys can laugh at me if you want, but I'm gonna try it. Got this pad. Let's see if it's gonna work. Supposedly, it makes my life easier. Let's see. All right. All right. I got a question to ask you guys. I'm gonna read the passage to you. I'm going to ask a question. Um, I'm going to be teaching from James, um, James 1, verses 2 through 5. Um, so you see that on the bottom of your worship folder. And it's not written in uh, NIV only because I really like the way Peterson says it in the message. So it says this, consider it. Sheer, consider it a sheer gift. Friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficit in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. And you'll get this help and you won't be condescending and, and won't be condescending to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. Question anybody in here Know what it means to find your second wind. If you do, raise your hand. Know what it means to find your second wind. If I was going to do the sermon, if I like titles, I would connect wisdom to finding your second wind. I'm a freshman in college. I have a meeting with my coach. I played JV all my freshman year, started guard, point guard, and two. And we have these meetings at the end of the season and at the end of the summer. I'm not sure he talked to everybody at the end of the summer. I think he talked to me at the end of the summer and a couple other people. Because we were going back to the hood, I think he thought I was going to get in a little mischief. But he says to me as I'm leaving in May, Jace, you got to understand I'm expecting more out of you next year. And I also want you to know that I think you, I'm going to tell you early that you have barring an injury, you have potential to maybe play for a walk. That's all I need to hear. See, I'm the guy that that year before, trained a lot, played a lot of basketball, lifted some weights, but never ran, never really pushed myself. 
never really went to the gauntlet, never really remained in that gauntlet. I'd try it, run out of wind, quit, try it, tell people this is stupid, try it, tell people this didn't work. But for some reason, the the summer of my coming into my sophomore year, I decided, I think I better do this. This dude said I have pro potential. And it's the thing I've always wanted to hear. I wanted somebody to tell me that. So I called up my brother-in-law, Jeff, who's All-American football player at Western College in Colorado. I said, can I train with you? Now, that was a mistake. Do you hear what I'm saying? That was a mistake. This guy's 6'3", 235 pounds of pure muscle, okay, runs the 40 in 4, 4, 4 at 6'3", 230 pounds. Why did I ask him to train with him? I was all of 165 pounds dripping wet, mostly legs, nothing else. Upper body about this big around, can you see? And he says, Sure. So it was a really bit, a really kind of a comedy the first month because I was the skinny guy training with the big guy, and he's got 245 pounds on the barbell and says, can you spot me? And I'm thinking he's kidding. And then we swap it out, and I'm the guy that's doing this with the bar. <laughs> and he said, come on, dude, you got it. And I'm thinking, this is so stupid. But I'm, I'm in the gauntlet. And then he he comes up with the crazy idea that we ought to run to the gym and run back. That's two miles to the gym and two miles back. That's four miles. Anybody run five miles? Now, 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 Jay and you and Lisa, you can't talk to me because you you crazy. You you half crazy. I don't even want to hear you from y'all. But four miles. So the first day, he comes to my house. I'm like, we doing this for real? He said, yeah, man, we running. You got to get in shape. I'm, I want you to be in better shape than you've ever been when you go back to school. Remember, this dude so, said you had pro potential. I always thought you could play. He quit playing basketball. And so he says, I'm picking you up. So we get out there in the first day. He takes off running. I take off running, but it don't look the same. Because he's about three blocks ahead of me. Like, right from the get-go, boom, looking for me. <laughs> and, and about about six blocks into the run, and we had two miles run. And six blocks in, I'm like, I'm walking, dude. Forget this. And I walk. I get to the gym. He said, what happened? I said, no, nah, I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it. He said, well, you know, I'm running back. So we work out. I play ball for a couple hours. Then I realized I worked out and played ball for a couple hours, and we finna run home. So we get to the, get out the gym. He said, "You ready?" I'm like, "Yeah, go." He takes up. I don't even try. I just start walking. <laughs> I just start walking. So that went on for a couple weeks, and then I was able to run all the way with him up, and then he would leave me behind. And he kept saying. Dude, if you just run hard and stay in it, you'll get your second win. 
light-skinned women. What you talking about? Man? You smoking crack? What's wrong with you? Do you understand how this feels? This does not feel good. He said, if you run hard, stay in it, you'll get your second wind. So we went a couple more weeks, a couple more weeks. So finally now I can run, not with him, but he's not leaving behind. He might leave me a block behind or something. And I can run with him all the way back, and I can run all the way home. Then he got the crazy idea that when we come home, he just keep running to Colorado Boulevard, which is another two miles, which means we're doing six. I'm doing, see you later, dude. I'm out. So here's what happens one day, though. So he says, let's run to the gym and then sprint home. Do you hear what I'm saying? We sprint two miles. I'm like, okay, man, I'm in. I'm in. I'm not going to quit on you. I'm, I'm in. So we run to the gym. We work out. We start sprinting. And I decided this time I ain't getting left. He ain't leaving me. I'm going to stay with him stride for stride. And we get a mile and a half to a mile and a half to the second part of the run, about a mile in and almost a halfway, and something happens. Y'all know what that is. How many know what I'm talking about? Something happens. And I'm smiling. Now, that ain't even right. I'm running down the street. He says, what's wrong with you? Dude? I'm feeling good, dude. He said, he said that's second win. Well, no, man, this is like cocaine or something. Like, what happened here? Like, I couldn't understand it. I'm as tired as you can believe. But I remain. And next thing you know, I hit second wind. And he says, I'm running. I'm with you, man. Let's go. Now, I couldn't, I couldn't run back. We went past my house two miles. I walked back. He, he lives in that direction, so he walked home. Second wind. That's an interesting thing. James is saying that wisdom is the thing that gives us second wind. We started this series, Search for Serenity, and I put the serenity prayer that um, Rhino Niebuhr wrote, the original serenity prayer, which says, God grant us the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, the courage to change the things that can be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish one from another. Living one day at a time. Now, I'm not Mark, so don't even look up here, because Mark had this thing memorized. And I, I, I'm reading it, Mark. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make things right if I surrender to your will so that I might be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. That's a crazy prayer. So Mike kicked it off, and he talked about grace and humility Grace and humility. And then Mark 
stepped up here yet last week and talked about courage, which he admitted and I admitted, and I admit with him. We was talking about it, and he said, Are you, you want me? I asked him to swap. So you want me to do courage? I'm like, yeah, man, you got to No, dude, I don't got courage. I said, yeah, I got to do wisdom, for real. Like, <laughs> neither one of us. But he did a nice job last week talking about courage. And this week I want to I want to talk about wisdom and explore wisdom. Now I'm going to give you another caricature to think about. See, here's my question. That first passage talks about three things or four things, and I'm going to put that in order. I want you to think. I'm going to ask you a question. How does God prepare us to live life in accordance with his model, in accordance with his replication, in accordance with how he does it? How does he do that? I'm here to tell you this morning, I think trials or adversity are a critical part. I want to take a look at Peter. Um, in chapter 16, Jesus is predicting or forecasting how it's going to go down. And Peter, now you got to understand, I love Peter because he's a knucklehead. I love Peter because he reminds me at my worst. When I look at Peter and I, if I get my finger in the air, then I got to do this. Or if I get my finger, I got to look at the three this. Because Peter, I don't know about y'all, but Peter does the same stupid stuff I do. Thinks the same crazy way I do. Is arrogant or goofy or cocky like I was. So I, I love Peter. And so Jesus is talking to him about, you know, here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to predict his death. It says this. From this time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples what must that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised from the dead. Now, listen to what happens here. The next line says, now, Jesus said this, God, Peter, being Peter, says, Jesus, come over here, man. We need to talk. And Peter says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Now, the passage titles this Jesus rebuke, or Paul rebukes Jesus. Now, if that's not stupid, I don't know what it is. He, the man's telling you what's happening. Paul said, nah, man, I mean, Peter says, nah, I'm telling you, God, that, that ain't what's going to happen, man. Jesus says to him back, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See that? The trial exposes what you fundamentally and foundationally believe about life. 
Then if we go 10 chapters out to 26, Peter does it again. So they're in, it says this, Jesus told them, before the night's over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what's happening to me. For the scripture says, I will strike the shepherd, helter-skelter, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I, your shepherd, will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. Peter breaks in. Even if everyone else fell, falls to pieces on account of you, I won't. Do you hear what he's saying? Now go ahead. I won't. Don't be so sure, Jesus said. This very night before the rooster crows, crows up from dawn, you will deny me three times. Now, this is Jesus talking to him. And Peter says back to him. Even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And then everybody else starts saying the same thing. Me too, me too, Peter. Peter just says, yeah, no, go ahead. Because about half hour from now, Peter's going to say some stuff that he going to regret badly. But the test does that. So James tells us this. There is a sequence that sets up wisdom. Let me give you the sequence. Trial plus testing equals perseverance, endurance, and maturity. Say it with me. Trial plus testing equals say perseverance, endurance, and maturity. Say you gotta say that like punks, man. Come on now. In church. Trials. Wait, 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 wait. Trials plus testing equals perseverance, endurance, and maturity. That's better. That's better. Amen. That's what that's that's right, Tammy. Amen. Give me some love. Okay. Said another way, adversity through the gauntlet. Adversity becomes the gauntlet that we have to go through so that we can persevere. And the pressure of the gauntlet develops the capacity to endure and the process of maturity. Trials aren't an event. Trials are often moments or periods that we go through in our lives. Let's look at this individually. So the trials you and I go through are the doorway through which God makes God teaches and makes his wisdom available to us the the word there sometimes is confused with temptation the word trial is not a seduction to or temptation to sin the word trial and it's not necessarily external or internal so some people split it and say, well, he's talking about external external tribulations that come to you. No, that word has a connotation for both. But it's not a temptation because God doesn't tempt us to sin. It is, though, 
a surprising opportunity that comes for us. And if we remain through it, it will grow in perseverance, our capacity to persevere, endure, and mature. Now, if we look at the trial is the noun, testing is the verb of the same word. I call that the gauntlet. I say that because when we go through the trials, we have to do that in the context of remaining. And remaining requires that we hold on to two realities that seem like they disqualify each other. We need to hold on to the reality of pain while at the same time holding on to the reality of hope. Did you hear what I'm saying? So trials through the gauntlet, through the testing, will force us to, to decide what we're going to do with the reality of the painful situation, the hurt, the disappointment, or whatever, while holding on to hope or letting it go. And you know at Hope, we, we teach you're going to hold on to two things that look like they don't go together. It seems to me, James says, something different. That not only do they go together, but they're necessary. Necessary. Me and Mike was talking last night. He says to me, JC, uh, that sounds to me like a bittersweet condition. So the trials we go through... I hold on to the reality of pain and the reality of hope are bitter sweet. Now, in my mind, what he says is wise people hold on to the bitter, hold on, enjoy the sweet while holding on to the bitter. Now, I couldn't help it, but I started thinking, anybody know them gummy worms? You know what I'm talking about? Not not the gummy worms with nothing on them. The gummy worms, the sweet and sour gummy worms. Anybody eat them? Like them? How many like them? You like them. So so tell me this. Raise your hand if you like the gummy worms. Okay. Do you make this face when you do it? I do. So it, it, I'm, I'm I'm ADD, so that just popped in my brain when I was thinking of a bittersweet. He's Mike's trying to talk to me, and I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, gummy worms. That's what the deal is. I know what that is, gummy worms. Right? Then I said, and then you make that face. I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say that to him. Then you make that face. Right? But here's the dilemma. If I don't eat the gummy worm, and I sort of, I'm not, I don't like it's too salty, or I rub all the salt off and try to get just the sweet, you got a problem. If I refuse the bitter, if I, if I try to deny the reality of pain, where does that leave me? That leaves me inauthentic. That leaves me a hypocrite. That leaves me in a place of being a phony. So I'm smiling. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. I got a knife in my back, but I'm good. And I got to do that. I got to live two lives. Because I have to deny that the pain is really pain. And if I deny pain is really pain, I also deny what pain can do. 
and pain in our life can do good things. I found that out when I was running. Right? So on one hand, I can deny that. On the other hand, I can deny the reality of hope. Now I don't know what happens first. I don't know if pain gets in my brain and then I get mad or feel betrayed and then I quit hoping or if pain happens and pain's so powerful in certain situations that it disqualifies hope. And when you disqualify hope, you're left with a sense of betrayal, a sense of resentment. But what I know is if I disregard, if I disregard the reality of pain and I'm phony, at some point I'm turning away from God. And if I disregard, we're going to sing a song at the end of the service today called Be Thou My Vision. If I don't have vision and hope, I'm going to turn away from God. That makes sense? Makes sense. So I, I'm, so the scriptures asking us to hold on to both. Wisdom admits and gracefully accepts that life is indeed bittersweet. Wisdom acknowledges the pain in one hand while at the same time holds hope in the other hand. So graceful wisdom is the perspective that I have that allows me to admit I'm a fake, to admit that I'm angry, to admit that I can't do it right, to admit that this sucks, to admit that I feel betrayed, to admit and accept my resentment. Graceful wisdom allows me the perspective to know I can be that guy or that woman or that kid and still talk to the Father. And still talk to the Father. How many of you believe That in the angst of your situation, you can be real with God. Ah, I got a hand up. I got two hands up. That it? I'm out, man. <laughs> How many of you believe that? That in the angst, you can be real with God. Now, some of you don't. Some of you learn it. And I'm going to say this to you. I didn't either. I, You know, I, I first started hearing about grace. Um. I became a Christian in 1980, and I started hearing about grace in 88, 89. And when I first started hearing about grace, it didn't make sense to me. It took me a long time to come to a place where I remained in the teaching, let it sit. I didn't understand it, but I still stayed in it. And and now I do. I understand. So I can be that. I can be that angry, sinning, selfish jerk and still step to the father and say hey dad it's me and I know with confidence how he's going to respond so I'm going to ask you if you don't know it hang in there in time you will find your standing in grace and it'll be a good thing 
Now, two more things I want to say when I'm going to call the worship team up. So James, he goes on to say a couple other things. If you look at the bottom of your worship folder, he says some, some other things. I ask the question, God, do I ask? And if so, how? James says, And if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get the help. You'll get his help. And you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. I want to finish on that note. Wisdom isn't ours. When I looked at the passage James doesn't say, find your own wisdom and do your own thing. James says, if anyone needs wisdom, go to the Father. It seems like James figured out from the Savior what was important. If I don't know something, if I lose hope, if I'm angry, if I feel betrayed, the place I go with that is to the Father. And he doesn't just say, go to the Father and ask him, you know, so you slide in. Hey, Dad, like, I I need a little wisdom. I'm ducking and hoping he ain't going to hit me. He said, go boldly. Walk in. Hey, hey, man, what's up? I I, I need your help bad right now. And go boldly. There's another passage we teach that says, approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not cocky. But the confidence to know God's committed to me. He's committed to you. He loves you more than you love yourself. And he knows more about what's going on in your life than you do. And he has the perspective. I say, hey, I I need a little help. I don't know what's going on here. And he tells us to do two things. He says, if you don't know, if you're angry, you're upset not going right. Ask for the wisdom. Wisdom is the perspective. Wisdom is the perspective that says God teaches. I like what James does. He says ask for wisdom then he tells you what wisdom is going to tell you before he, before he says ask for wisdom. Because wisdom is going to tell you trial, testing equals perseverance, endurance, and maturity. Not so much there's a reason or God's punishing you for, but this is life, dude. Reasonably happy on this side of the grave. And he says, go boldly. And he says, expect God. One, one um, version of the Bible I read said, go boldly and God gives generously. Another one said, go boldly and God gives graciously. Go boldly because God loves you and will give graciously. And he will not have beef with you. Now we have a word for that here. That word is helios. God sees your wickedness and he's helios to your wickedness. Non-react. So my question to you is this. 
if you're in a trial and you're trying to discern, know the difference. And you don't know, what do I do or what don't I do? Ask the Father. He loves you. He wants to see you and is waiting to see you. He will give generously to you, graciously to you. And he's not punitive. He's not going to bring up yesterday or two hours ago. He's going to put his arm around you and say, I love, I'm glad you're here. Let's deal with this. Amen? Amen. Have the worship team come up. Dear Father, I just want to say thank you for your serenity, for your grace, for your courage, for your wisdom. We just ask that you would give us as we ask and be with us be with our families and be with our situation we thank you for the opportunity we have this this morning to worship you and hear your word and we thank we thank you thankful for it and help us keep it throughout the week in jesus name amen